Before we get started with our episode, we hope our listeners are getting involved in the efforts to get more voters registered here in New York 19. Our podcast is proudly affiliated with New York 19 Votes, the grassroots group uniting resistance, indivisible, swing left, and long-standing activist groups to make sure we turn the district blue in November 2018. Head to www.nyvotes.com to find out more about upcoming events and actions you can take. In January, there are a number of phone banking parties you can attend or complete some voter-to-voter letters at home. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to Spotlight 19, and Happy New Year. This is the podcast for all things Congressional District 19, tracking John Fazzo's voting record. This is Justin Tracy. And this is Sasha Tracy. Welcome back to everyone. We have a great show for you guys today. We have Emilio Geronda and Lynn Lamoury, who work with Citizens Action of the Hudson Valley to put on FAZO Friday, which is a weekly protest that you'll hear more about in the interview segment of the show at the end. And jumping right in to pick back up on where we left off back in the beginning of the winter, John Faso was determining whether or not he would vote in favor of the Republican tax bill, which has huge implications for New York 19, including the removal of the ability for some constituents here who elect to write off their state and local taxes, they can no longer do so in this tax bill. And John Faso was pretty concerned about that because I think a lot of his rich donors and rich constituents in New York 19 actually use this exemption to get rid of the amount they're paying to their state, to the county. For example, we pay Ulster County taxes and take subtract that amount from their total income and not have to pay federal taxes on that amount. So that's something he was concerned about. But what actually ended up happening is he voted in favor of the bill to get it out of committee. And although ultimately on the tax bill, John Faso voted no, he definitely did not release his position on how he would be voting until pretty much the last minute. The week that the House of Representatives voted on this bill is when John Faso the night before said he would not be voting for it. He thought about it a lot. And since it actually passed and it became law. The president actually signed it into law right before Christmas. He has praised all of the other aspects of the tax bill uh, and seems to be supportive of it. So although he did cast a vote against it, he paved the way to make it possible for the tax bill to reach the floor and ultimately the president's desk. So it's incorrect to say that he was absolutely against this bill since it does harm a lot of the constituents. And what some of us might see come February, March is a modest increase in our paychecks since this tax bill does roll back some payroll taxes. So that might seem really tempting that, wow, this tax bill actually did help me a small amount. But you have to keep in mind that that incentive, that increase is going to go away in a few years. So it's kind of a a wolf in sheep's clothing, this tax bill. My understanding is that Paul Ryan gave John Faso a pass on the tax bill. There were already enough votes to pass the bill, 
So Fazzo's vote wasn't needed, and some Republican senators in blue states were given an out. Moving on, Fazzo voted in favor of a bill that allows concealed carry reciprocity, meaning that states that have strict standards for concealed carry, for example here in New York, you must have a permit and uh, meet uh, stringent standards to get it, uh, now has to accept the standards of a state with much more lax standards. There are 12 states that don't even require a permit at all, so people from those states could show up in New York with a concealed weapon. Even law enforcement doesn't support this bill. One of his criticisms about the tax bill was that it flies in the face of federalism. And that's the Republican talking point, that they are all for states' rights. But he voted in favor of this bill that takes away states' rights to prohibit concealed carry permits for guns. And, you know, it's not going to make any state safer to have someone from another state, for example, a guy from a place with very lax gun laws like Nevada or Alabama who has a concealed carry permit can come into New York and won't be banned from doing so. So it it doesn't make any sense to me that you would vote in favor of this bill other than the NRA is giving you lots of money and you want to maintain your 100% A-plus approval rating from the NRA. So the votes that we've been talking about are from before the holidays. So another vote that John Faso cast before taking the winter recess is one that allows mining leases in federally protected lands in Minnesota. Initially, it may not seem like that affects us here in New York 19. We're pretty far away from Minnesota and, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with us. But what it actually shows about John Fazzo is that he's he's willing to exploit areas that were federally protected, federal lands that are protected for their natural beauty and for environmental reasons to have heavy mining in these areas. So he might, on one hand, want to protect areas of the Hudson Valley. He doesn't have that same sentiment for around the country. And he's a representative to the United States Congress, and he needs to be looking at the bigger picture. In addition to that attack on protected lands in Minnesota, Fazo hasn't said a word about the administration's plans to open up almost all U.S. ocean lands to drilling, except for off the coast of Florida. So any attempt by him to say he's a moderate on the environment is totally inconsistent with how he's voting and how he's remained silent. So more recently, John Fazzo has finally signed on to a bill that does allow dreamers a path to citizenship. And as some of our more consistent listeners might know that John Fazzo, it's, it's taken him a long time to get to this point. He supported these other bills that maintained the DACA program, but didn't allow dreamers the ability to actually become U.S. citizens. So it's great that he's actually finally on board with it. 
But it does not seem like it's as important to John Faso so as to make sure that this bill gets passed because he spent this weekend and we're recording this on January 21st. He has been criticizing the Democrats nonstop about the government shutdown. And as of today, we don't know if John Faso supports um getting paid during the government shutdown payments for Congress. And our neighbor to the South, Representative Sean Maloney, has released a press release and been very open about the fact that he does not think Congress should be paid. He's written letters, but John Faso's position so far is very unclear. And he's really spent the whole weekend attacking the Democrats for what he thinks is causing the government shutdown. But what we all know is that this shutdown was caused by the president and his blowing up of a deal that was reached by Republicans and Democrats by making racist remarks. And admitting that he will not support a DACA deal without money for a physical wall between the U.S. and Mexico. Fazo just takes the GOP talking points verbatim. It's like he can't think for himself. And even though he did condemn the president's shithole comments on Twitter, he also said earlier in 2017 that he doesn't even use Twitter. So we have yet to actually hear something sincere from Faso condemning the president's racist remarks. One of the issues that has gotten a lot of publicity in our time kind of taking a break from Spotlight 19 is the Me Too movement and this focus of the press and culturally on sexual harassment, sexual assault and stories of abuse in the workplace and beyond. And it's come up in politics as well. And John Fassel has actually been pretty quiet overall. He's expressed mild support of the movement. And in fact, during the tax bill debate, I was actually able to get through to one of his teletown halls. That's what he's back to doing. He hasn't had a town hall, by the way, since that one in Esopus back in August of 2017, which was not open to the public. But we're just going to play you a clip of what John Faso's response was to the issue of sexual harassment and sexual assault by members of Congress and our president. Um, my question is about sexual harassment and assault that has been in the media lately and whether in light of the very abusive language used towards your colleague, Senator Gillibrand, by the president yesterday and in light of his 19 accusers coming out again and repeating their stories, will you support an investigation into the president's allegations of sexual misconduct, assault and harassment? So in, in investigation conducted by whom? By Congress. Congress has that ability to initiate investigations into the president. Okay. So here's, here's what I would, I would say. Um, and here's where you get into a, a real separation of powers issue. And, and I know this may not satisfy you in terms of, first, I, I, I was appalled at the president's tweet. I, I said to the Albany Times Union, I don't agree with the tweeting approach of the with the language that he used. I thought it was wrong and inappropriate. And I think the bottom line is that public policy really shouldn't be conducted through tweets. It may be good sometimes to uh, let people know where you are on a particular issue. Uh, I issue tweets from time to time in our office, and a lot of public officials do. But I do think that 
a lot of these tweets that come from the White House are really over the top and uh, uncalled for and undignified. I, I don't like it. Now, the question of an investigation, I know Senator Gillibrand called for a congressional investigation. Here's the problem with that. We are a separate branch of government from the president. The executive branch is a different branch. When you hear about the Congress or this House or the Senate investigating and referring to its ethics committees, the actions of members who sit in the Senate or the House, that is totally appropriate because those people are members of these bodies. And we have the responsibility to ensure that those individuals uphold the dignity and responsibility of their office because they sit in these bodies. The presidency is a different thing because that's a separately elected branch of government. And I, frankly, I don't think that we have the authority or the power, nor would it be wise for Congress to engage in, in such investigations. So I think that the court of public opinion is where these issues are probably going to be resolved. And certainly if, if, if there were current accusers, the, they have the, the access to the court. That's what happened with Paula Jones suing uh, former President Clinton back in the 90s. So as much as, as I uh, dislike a lot of those tweets and, and a lot of the statements, I, I don't think from a separation of powers standpoint, the Congress really has the authority, nor would it be appropriate for us to uh, open an investigation into that. Investigations into the official actions of the administration, where we have oversight over the executive branch agency. That's an entirely different question. Investigations into, uh, investigation into the um, actions of the executive, the president, I think well, uh, well, do you consider his last tweet year, I'm not sure that that falls within do you the, consider uh, his as an official purview of his office, uh, and so therefore it would be constitutionally, it would highly be highly questionable in my mind whether we have the authority to do that. But I appreciate your call, and I, I share your concern about this issue. It's really an important one. This movement and the call for John Faso to hold legislators accountable for sexual harassment has been ongoing since Sarge's question. Now, Gareth Rhodes, one of the six New York 19 candidates, actually called out John Faso for attending the swearing-in ceremony of Rensselaer County Executive Steve McLaughlin, who was accused by his former chief of staff uh, of physical abuse and harassment. But Faso attended and supports the executive, and when asked to respond to Gareth's comment, he said the comment was from a, quote, unknown candidate trying to create an issue and get attention, unquote. There was no comment about the accusations and how important it is for women to speak up, which brings me to this weekend's women's marches and how instead of acknowledging them or women's rights, Fazo chose to highlight three young high school men from a private school who were part of the March for Life in Washington last Friday and with a picture of them wished them a bright future. So Fazo's position on women's issues is laughable at best, and he certainly is no friend of the Me Too movement. So we will be paying close attention to our congressional primary here in New York 19. And, you know, Justin's gone over some of the things that have been going on with our six candidates who we were lucky enough to have on last year. And 
Almost all of them have agreed to come back to the show. So our next round of interviews with these candidates will be uh, in-depth. We'll be getting into their backgrounds and taking, you know, a harder look at who is the person of these six that can best represent New York 19, who has the best chance against John Faso? You know, we, we criticize his votes here, but it is going to be a really difficult election in November because a lot of people aren't tracking what John Faso has been doing and they just know he's the Republican candidate, we're going to go with him. So We saw in our local elections where we did have some Democratic gains, there were some losses across the district where we thought, oh, it's great that we're having all these grassroots organizations register voters and get people excited about local off-year elections when there was, you know, no statewide offices up. So it's going to be a really difficult fight. So what we're letting our listeners know is that if you're interested in meeting a candidate that you haven't met yet, they've had a bunch of events now, a lot of a lot of us have had the opportunity to actually meet them. But if you are interested in sitting down with them in a really small, intimate setting with five to 10 people, you can also have your question featured on the show in the interview. We're asking that you send an email to nyspotlight19 at gmail.com and the interviews will be held throughout February and March on the weekend from 11 to 1 in Hurley, New York. So if you're interested and you're having trouble deciding who you're going to vote for in the primary in June, um, send us an email and we'll try and make sure you can have some time with these great candidates that we have running. So at this point in the New York 19 race, we have had countless candidate forums and strengths and weaknesses of the candidates are starting to come into clear focus. The date that our six will start collecting the 1,200 signatures needed to get on the primary ballot, March 12th, is fast approaching. Now turn to Saja for our interview segment of the show. Welcome back to Spotlight 19. Our first guests for 2018 are Emilio Gironda and Lynn Lamarie, who are members of Citizens Action of the Hudson Valley and have really taken the helm of FASO Friday, the weekly protest outside of John FASO's Kingston and sometimes other locations outside his office that it has been going on pretty much for one year every week. So welcome to Lynn and Emilio. Thank you so much for being being here. Sure. Thank you for having us. So tell our listeners a little bit more about how FASO Friday was actually conceived initially. Well, initially, we were actually at the inception, the idea for it, but we had gone to some meetings at Citizens Action and we went to the very first FASO Friday. And after we had spoken to Callie and she asked us if we, if we would kind of uh, take the helm, we didn't really realize exactly what we were getting into, but we just started doing it. And, you know, it evolved into a thing that we do every week. Lynn and I are both very big on assuming responsibility and, and seeing it through. You know, and we'll make every Friday we can. And Lynn, did you have any experience with protests before kind of taking over FASO Friday last year? No, not at all. This all happened since November 2016. 
Wow. So did you start protesting outside of his office right away after the election or was it after he was sworn in or something else? It was around the end of December because after the election happened and and FASO won, you know, we wanted to have Zephyr teach out. It was a double whammy. So we started looking for something to do, some group to join. You know, these indivisibles sprang up. We were just like everybody else, like, oh my God, what do we do? So we just kind of went to protests and different things, not knowing what they really were. And then we ended up at a FASO protest outside the Chamber of Commerce meeting. And then we found out about the FASO Friday, which didn't really exist yet. So we kind of happened to get with Citizen Action. I had even traveled to join other groups, just wanting to join a group to do something. And so this is what happened from that search. Lynn was at the lead of it, and I just kind of followed along. (laughs) How has FASO Friday evolved since it first started back in, you know, winter of 2016? And here we are, winter of 2017. You're back out there, sometimes in frigid, frigid, cold, rain, all kinds of weather. Well, I mean, I guess we kind of, maybe the first thing that we started doing was making signs. We had this idea that we were going to make two signs or three signs for every Fazo Friday. And now I have like the basement full, my trunk (laughs) of my car full. People just started to show up. It wasn't really, as Lynn says, it's organic. It's better because it just happened. And it just kind of happened. And we were just there to, we're like the field marshals, you know, watching people staying out of the street, you know, telling people not to react with negative comments. We don't want to play that game. And the biggest thing that happened to us, I think, was when Tin Horn Uprising started to come. That was a huge boost. And uh, just to interrupt, for those that don't know, Tin Horn Uprising is a local brass band. Right, yeah, correct? like a marching band, like a New Orleans kind of a thing. But they're fantastic, and they've been there every, since they started, they've been there every Friday. Wow. And I'm sure that gives the protest a whole new dimension in life since there's music involved. Yes, definitely. It started out more um, people upset coming to Fazo Friday. We had some real big ones. One time there were 200 people up on the snowbanks and there was a lot of ironing out uh, with the building that his office is in. We were quite a disruption and so there was a lot of work to do for Citizen Action to handle that. Um, And they made that little pop-up lobby for us so we didn't stampede the building and disturb everyone and so, you know, it, it, it was first very much like protesting, and then it's come all the way to a place where people know they can come to, you know, and talk to others, like-minded, get information, get updated, put the message out every time, you know, for the passers-by to see all the messages. And we've really tried to keep on track with positive, you know, no fighting. If somebody yells at us, which they do, yeah. um, <laughs> Then we, you know, give them a thumbs up and, you know, just keep it because people did want to argue with people in cars at first. And because it was all new then, too, we were all very upset all the time. Um, So we've kind of brought it into something constructive and where we always hope to get some follow up action out of it. You know, so that's that's the whole point. And Lynn and I are both kind of introverts, too. So we have a crowd of introverts. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know. Has there been any confrontation with local law enforcement or how has the relationship been there? There hasn't been any. They've had to come when there were big crowds to make sure that people stay on the street and don't, you know, cause a disturbance. But they've been great about it. They just they just tell us what we need to do. And that's only when it's really large. Otherwise, they don't come around. That's good to hear. So that's not always the case. Oh, right. Right. 
Well, we're like 99.5% white, too. And old. <laughs> and old. So, yeah, they're not that... Um, when it's just us, uh, there really doesn't... It's what you can do when you're an older white person. You can go out and and protest and have signs. And that's something that it just came up yesterday, actually, on why other people don't come. I, I did see that kind of being discussed this week. And do you think it changes the public perception when it is kind of an older white crowd outside, the people driving by? What do you think they're thinking as they're driving by? Just to put it out there. Part of it, I think, is they think crazy frigging old hippies. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's a reaction you can yeah. get living up here where we are. Yeah, exactly. But I think being hyper-focused on Fazo, it's a name that not everyone, it's not on the tip of everyone's tongue up here. It just puts him a little bit more on their radar. Yeah, absolutely. Why are Definitely. these people out there every every week, regardless of weather, and why are they so upset and so passionate about this person in particular? So even if it sways 1% of the people driving by, which I'm sure it is more, because there's human curiosity. Over the year, next Friday, this coming Friday is our one year anniversary, which, you know, <laughs> we don't want it. It's a sad anniversary. You know? <laughs> but uh, ever since the beginning, there's so much more response from people going by um, positive. So we watch, he and I watch who's responding and people are looking. There's only a little bit of negative. There was a lot more in the beginning, you know, go Trump, get a job. Some other terrible things. The very first Lots of one, fingers. The very first one they yelled at us was baby killers. <laughs> so, um, so there's a lot less of that. There's a lot more people, I believe, reading our signs. It's very important to us to make the signs very simple and clear because you can see people slowing down to try to see. What does it say? What are they talking about? Um, so they see them. They read them, and then they beep their horn or go, oh. You can see them go, oh. And then um, we have a lot more variety of people. Now we've got we've got a lot of positive response from every kind of person who lives in the area. Do you think there's a way to attract more young people or get a more diverse crowd? Well, we've been working on that for a while. We've had a lot of different kind of ideas from our little side FASO committee of how to do that. But so far, it's really um, people are working during that time, which I am too, but I can take my lunch break. I work right around the corner. Most people can't do that. Sure. And the students are in school. Us, us included. I mean, yeah. we've, Justin has tried his best to be there as much as possible. I have unfortunately only been there one time and it was great. But I think the summer will be, it would be great if we didn't have to keep having them in the yeah. summer. Yeah, right. But realistically, I'm I'm looking forward to the summer. I know that we'll be there a lot more and there'll be a lot more volunteers up here for the upcoming election. Right. And my next question for you both is whether all of our so far six congressional candidates have attended a FASO Friday. Oh, yeah. All of them have been there. A number of times. Right. And even the earlier when there was two more, they were both had been there, too. Does it attract more people when there are some of our congressional candidates there? They kind of just show up mostly so that people don't know ahead. Yeah, we don't know they're coming. Sometimes they used to speak sometimes and now... They just come and talk to people individually. That's really what the crowd wants. They don't want a speaker there. They wanted. We tried the speakers, but nobody really paid attention. <laughs> they were like not doing that. Um, so they want to do the messages, you know, out to the traffic. So they just come and talk to people individually, and it works really well. 
That's great. So, you know, our district is huge. We're 11 counties. There are people that I've spoken to out in Delaware County that have said, I would love to attend FASO Friday, but it's very far away for me. What are some actions do you think people could take back in their counties that might be far away from some of the locations of FASO Friday? There's probably an indivisible near them, you know, an indivisible group that they can get involved with. But we um, went to Delaware County to the Delhi folks, and there's someone who basically always runs the Faso Friday that's there, which is much smaller. It's a much different kind of community than we have, but they're doing it. They're doing an indoor Faso Friday every Friday now in Delhi. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. (laughs) So they have, we um, went up and kind of connected to them so that we could have a Faso Friday at each of the district offices. So Kinderhook, Delhi, and and Kingston. So we've, we've made that connection and we'll probably be able to build on it you know, as uh, spring and summer come. So people can go to Delhi. It depends on, you know, we know it's huge and vast and it still doesn't capture everybody. So not everybody can go to Faso Friday, but they can get the information from there about what they can do in their area and who's the closest. So in all of our kind of in-depth discussion of the origins and evolution and, you know, thoughts about Faso Friday, I've completely neglected the main and essential information. Tell us where Fazzle Friday is. How can people get involved? And, you know, tell us a little bit more about the actual logistics. How can people make sure they get there at least, you know, once if they can? It is every Friday at 12 o'clock at 721 Broadway in front of Fazzle's office there. Um, It's right on the street. Um, And it's held from 12 to 1. It never goes over. It's exactly 12 to exactly one. And we hope that, and we always encourage people to come whenever, even if it's once every three months or, you know, whenever, um, for even a few minutes, because we have between 12 and one, the crowd size changes each time because people do that. Um, you can come for 15 minutes, half hour, five minutes, just come and see what it looks like. (laughs) And we, um, always have information there about what Citizen Action is doing. We put out a calendar. It's on Facebook. It's on the Citizen Action site of um, canvassing, phone banking, um, committees, education committees, all these things that are happening. A person can get that information just from coming to Fazzo Friday. So if even if you come one time, you can still get the information there. So we got a bunch of signs. If you, know, you can bring your own, uh, the full range of whatever interests you or whatever you're passionate about. What are some of the slogans on the signs? Healthcare, healthcare, <laughs> healthcare, Medicare for all, single payer. Uh, Questioning John Faso, you know you've betrayed us. Has John Faso betrayed us? His actions, his voting, um, his aligning with Trump. There's a lot of Faso signs. They're very brief, um, and uh, every other category: the environment, racial justice, economic justice, everything that exists that's at, under attack right now. We have a sign about it. So something that that just happened was uh, Lynn met oh. with two people from the mosque around the corner. Oh wow! Which was fantastic. Great. Yeah. And you can say I can tell you. I, <laughs> and that's I the always, Kingston Mosque, right? Yeah, the Kingston and Mosque right around the corner on Down Street. Um, so they have prayer every Friday at 1245. Mm-hmm. So they are passing right by. So I didn't know this, um, but 
whenever somebody turns up at Fazo Friday and we haven't really talked to them yet, I go over with my little flyers or, you know, try to ask them what they, you know, what they want to do. And uh, so I saw these two new people and um, went over with my calendar and said, here's calendar. And it turns out it's a man and his, um, nephew. his nephew who have been passing by all this time on their way to prayer and thinking, what is this? You know, um, and then uh, decided to stop by yesterday and just tell us that they've, they appreciate that we're out there every time, no matter what. So they are often worried or anxious and they know that when they drive by before prayer, we're going to be there. So they stop to thank us basically for doing it. So it's something they can rely on. They know there's people who are, you know, on it. <laughs> that's, that's so great. It hear. is great. Because I had no idea. one of the focuses of Spotlight 19 on John Fazzo has been this complete kind of, it's very quiet. Sometimes he'll come out and criticize Trump, but it's rare, few and far between. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there aren't a lot of Muslims in this community in New York 19, but there are enough of them that yeah. are being targeted by this administration. And John Fazzo hasn't come out and stood up for them. Right. Until, right. Unless he's asked. Right. I have I have got on to one of those calls and point blank asked him about it. But that is that's amazing to hear how your commitment and action is having this impact on people right here in our community that are feeling slighted. Definitely. By John Fazzo and on a larger scale by what's been going on in politics since Definitely. November 2016. So and we knew before. that being, I'm sorry. No, so no, we knew ahead. that being, um, being there every week is imperative. Like we can't miss a day. We're always going to be She made there. me go that really cold day. Yeah. They wanted so to cancel. Mad. but it, And it was brutal, but we have to go. So now that's reinforcement. You know, the people, we know that they kind of are out there seeing us with our signs, with our signs in Spanish, with our, you know, all of it. Now we're going to have Arabic signs. So now we know for sure that it, it matters that we're out there for them. Yeah, because it can be discouraging sometimes. You feel like we're out here. What are we really doing? But when something like that happens, it's just a good positive reinforcement, like Lynn said. That's a wonderful note to end on because, you know, we're always trying to get out of the the kind of discontent we might be feeling. And it's always nice to hear a good story on the show because yeah. so much of it is you know, what are we going to do now? But thank you guys both so much for being here. And it's the day of the Women's March. And, you know, we're feeling a little bit more optimistic again. Yeah. Absolutely. So yes, thank you. Are. Thank you again for all that you do and being here. Well, thank you for thank doing you. this. We'll have you on our podcast. Get <laughs> <laughs> right on it. You've been listening to Spotlight 19. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get involved with Citizens Action of the Hudson Valley, head over to citizenaction.org or on Facebook at HV Citizen Action NY. They have lots of important events coming up, including standing with some young African Americans who have been targeted by police as they head into court to combat these unconstitutional charges. And as always, follow Spotlight 19 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, keep the faith.